Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Matthew. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Mighty Father, on that mountain of transfiguration, you revealed to Peter and James and John the glory of your Son. Now, Lord, today we pray that through your word you would reveal your truth to us, that we learn to trust you more faithfully and follow your will. Now, I pray that you would grant us your Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus won't stay on that mountain. You see, Jesus, he will never sit still in his glory. It's what Peter wanted him to do. If you were listening to the gospel reading this morning, you heard this. Peter was there on the mountain with his friends James and John, and this man he had been following as his rabbi, Jesus, suddenly was transfigured before him, and that dark night was filled with light, light that was exuding from the body of Christ. And Peter was overwhelmed, and the other disciples were overwhelmed by what they saw. Not only was Jesus there exuding glory, but he was speaking with, with Moses and Elijah, two of the most significant men in the history of the world. You ever thought about what would you do if you were in that moment, like how you would respond? I think I would have been terrified. I would have been running to hide. I would have kept to myself and covered my face so that I wouldn't be seen by any of these people. But not our pal Peter. Peter is never slow to speak. Peter's funny. He's like, this, he's like that kid who's about to always get in trouble and like you know he's going to get in trouble because he can't stop talking once you know he's been busted for what he's done. Peter just gets so nervous and excited and he starts talking and it's kind of funny if it weren't so misguided. Peter decides, seeing Jesus and, and Moses and Elijah, that he wants them to stay on that mountain. So he offers to build them some tents to go camping in. This is what he says. Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter wants to capture the glory. He wants to stay in that moment of glory. Suddenly the glory got a little more intense. And as he was speaking, the cloud of God descends on the mountain. And if you were listening to the Old Testament reading this morning, you would have heard of this cloud. And in the Old Testament, this, this cloud of God's presence was the glory of God. And it was frankly a terrifying cloud. No sinner could enter into that cloud with any sort of hope. It would be the death of them. And so now Peter is quiet. He's there with James and John, and they are terrified. And as this cloud of glory descends upon them, the Father speaks and says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. They're terrified. They know that this cloud would be the death of them. Except for this. They're with Jesus. And with Jesus, there's nothing to fear. So suddenly Jesus comes and touches them and says, Rise and have no fear. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And then with Jesus, they got up and they descended down the mountain, back into the world. Because Jesus won't stay on that mountain. Jesus will not sit still in his glory. The question is why? 
Why did Jesus come down the mountain? Why did he descend down the mountain? Why would he not stay up there? And why would he not allow his disciples to stay up there with him? Well, that's what we want to explore this morning as we meditate on this transfiguration of Jesus. Why won't he stay on the mountain? And I think really there are two main reasons. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why Jesus doesn't stay on the mountain. But there's at least two that I want us to focus on here this morning. And the first one is this. Jesus doesn't stay on the mountain because Jesus didn't come to shine. <laughs> he came to die and to rise. But he did not come to just exude glory. It is interesting to think about this if you're reading through Matthew's gospel. When the Father says to, to Peter, James, and John, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. We kind of assume that what the Father means is, listen to everything that Jesus has to say to you. And that, that's certainly true. Of course the Father wants us to listen to everything Jesus has to say. But if we're reading through the Gospel, if we go just back to the previous chapter in Matthew chapter 16, we would hear that at this point in the narrative, Jesus' message has taken a very significant turn. And he's begun to teach on one very specific thing, the purpose in his coming. Matthew writes this, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, he reigned. The Father tells the disciples, when the Father tells us to listen to Jesus, he's telling us to listen to Jesus about his passion, about why he's come at all to suffer and to die and to rise. See, Jesus didn't come to exude glory, but to die on the cross for the sins of the world and to rise again for our justification. Jesus came to save sinners by paying their penalty on the cross, not by drawing them up into some glorious vision, but by coming down to them in their sins to save and forgive them. He came to defeat death, not by making some distant declaration against it, but you might say Jesus came to defeat death from the inside by going into the grave and conquering it from within. This salvation is not found on the top of a glorious mountain, but on a cross and in an empty tomb in a garden. And what you want to notice here is that this is always the direction of the gospel. It is not Jesus far away removed somewhere, making, claim, making sort of declarations by divine fiat, but the, but the movement of the gospel is always God coming down to us, God seeking us down here, coming to find us in the midst of this world of sin and suffering and trial. And I think this is very much something we need to hear right now. Because so often when you look at the world around you, it kind of does feel like Jesus is off away somewhere. It can so often feel like Jesus is just up in heaven, basking in his glory and ignoring what we're going through down here. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. I mean, we, we've had a pretty crazy couple of weeks with the news, with yet another shooting up at Michigan State. We heard about this horrifying uh, earthquake in, in, in Syria, in Turkey. And these things, we hear the numbers and the number of people who've died, and we wonder, where is Jesus just basking off in his glory somewhere? And not just with those, those issues, like sort of big news items, we see this in our own lives, where we're experiencing a division and pain and, and frustration within our own family. 
Bad news about diseases enter into our lives all the time. And even just as we're, we're thinking about the culture we live in, you know, we live in a world right now where immorality is beginning to establish the laws in our nation. And, and the list just kind of goes on. And in the midst of all this, we cry out to God, wondering where He is, wishing we could be with Him on a mountain in glory somewhere, wondering why He won't come down and do anything about it. I mean, we cry out in prayer, but sometimes it feels like He's on the other line with Moses and Elijah, not paying any attention. But that's the problem. Too often, we're looking for Jesus in the wrong place. Too often, we're looking for Jesus in his glory. But that's not where he wants to be found. See, we should not imagine that Jesus stays up on the mountain. He will not stay up on the mountain. He will not remain idle or callous in his glory. For if you truly want to know Jesus and where he is, you must look at him in his suffering. Jesus not only knows our suffering, but he has suffered it himself on the cross. For the cross, that is the moment where all evil, where all judgment, where all sin and the consequences of sin, where all tragedy and disease and disaster and even the wrath of God, it's there on that cross where all of it comes together and culminates and comes crashing down onto the body of Jesus Christ the Son of Mary who was so glorious on that mountain is now suffering for the sins and all the tragedies of the world in our place. There on the cross, Jesus has come down from the mountain, down from heaven, away, you might say, from the favorable words of His Father, to the silence and terror of death. But there, He's taking on all of that, all of this, so that he might conquer it for us and ultimately and finally make all things right. Jesus will not stay on the mountain. He's coming down the mountain into death to conquer death. This then gets to the second reason why I think Jesus won't stay on that mountain. He comes to forgive sins and conquer death and he comes to do it for you. See, the second reason he won't stay there is because Jesus simply will not have a glorious eternity without you. He comes down that mountain to be your Savior, and this is why he brings his disciples down with him. Because he wants somebody to go out and proclaim this good news. That he has, in fact, come to be the Savior of the world. If Jesus doesn't come down the mountain, if Jesus doesn't come down out of heaven, if he just sits up in his glory, we have no hope. We have no life. We have no forgiveness of sins. We're sort of stuck and bound to our sins and our death. But Jesus, he does not want that for you. He will not have eternity without you. So he comes down to the mountain and he brings his disciples with him to tell you this good news. This is what uh, Matthew writes. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. In other words, don't speak of my glory, says Jesus, apart from my passion, apart from my dying and my rising. You cannot understand the glory of the mountain outside of the shadow of the cross and outside of the empty tomb. 
But Jesus says to his disciples, once I have risen, once I have conquered death, once I have won that victory on Calvary, then you go out and you spread this news everywhere. You tell everybody the good news that their sins are forgiven and death has been conquered for them, for I have overthrown death. I think this is is a very interesting thing to think about with the mountain of transfiguration, that he comes down the mountain in order to conquer our death. But on that mountain, he's talking to two people, Moses and Elijah, who had their death dealt with in very fascinating ways. I don't know if you remember all of this from the Old Testament. It's very significant that he's talking to Moses and Elijah, and it's significant for a lot of reasons. But think about how both of those guys had death dealt with for them. If you remember the account of Moses, Moses dies before they ever enter into the Promised Land. This is in the book of Deuteronomy. But when Moses dies, God is the one who comes and takes his body and buries Moses, we know not where. God decided to deal with Moses' death on his terms. Very interesting. And then you have Elijah. Elijah, who uh, did not actually have to face death, but one day was with his friend Elisha, very similar names, maybe that's why they were buddies, I don't know. Uh, But he's out there with his friend Elisha, and suddenly this fiery chariot comes down and takes Elijah and brings him up into the presence of God. Elijah didn't have to face death. Now, for you and I, we will not have that happen for us. We will not have God bury us like he buried Moses, and we will not have a fiery chariot come down to take us away from death. God has chosen not to deal with your death in that way. Here's what he's decided to do. To send his son down the mountain. To have Jesus not sit idle in his glory, but to come to you And instead of using a fiery chariot, come to you in the waters of baptism, where you were promised that you were crucified with Christ and you were raised to a new life, so that whether you live or you die, you now belong to the Lord. Everyone who lives and believes in me, says Jesus, will never die. So that even in your death, you know that just like with Moses, God has handled it. He's taken you, and he's taken you to himself. And just like Moses and Elijah on that mountain, Your death will not stop you from being raised to life and seeing Jesus and being in his glorious presence for all of eternity. All of this Jesus has done for you. How do we know? Well, baptism and the preaching of the word. I love that reading from 2 Peter today. 2 Peter, just so we're clear, 2 Peter written by Peter. Very, very complicated. Uh, Peter, who was on that mountain, who saw this vision. And when Peter talks about this vision on the mountain, you know what he talks about? How we're not going to stay there. That we've got something better than what was on the mountain. This This is a remarkable passage. This is what he says. For when he received, that is Jesus, when Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So we were there, we saw all this, but then listen to what he says. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Peter says, I was on the mountain, I heard God the Father in the terrifying cloud of glory and all of this. I was there, but I have something to tell you that is more sure and certain than anything I saw that day. The word of Christ. 
which says your sins are forgiven and eternal life has been promised to you. This is why, Peter is saying, Jesus won't let us stay up on that mountain, but he sends us forth into this world to proclaim this good news into your ears so that you know in the face of suffering and evil and death in this world, you have nothing to fear. For Jesus, who is God in flesh, has died and risen for you. So that you know that he comes to you in your midst of your need and in your suffering. You can cry to him in your prayers, and he is listening. One of the beautiful things of, of Christ's saving work for us is what he does for us when it comes to our prayer. That through his shed blood, he has opened up the room, he has opened up the doors to the throne room of heaven, and he has given you access to the Father. And it's almost as though Jesus grabs the ear of the Father and pulls it down to hear your prayer. Your whimpering prayer echo through the halls of heaven and fill the ears in the hearts of the Father. And he promises that ultimately and finally he will answer those prayers all for your good. You have a Jesus who does not sit idle in his glory, but listens to your prayers and comes to you in your time of need, comes to you in the midst of your guilt and your shame, your suffering and your fear. He comes to you in a way to give you comfort, forgiveness and hope. Today he comes to you in bread and in wine. You will receive Jesus today just as much as Jesus was there on that mountain transfigured. So he is in the bread and the wine today for you to give you the forgiveness of your sins, to sustain you all the way into everlasting life. He won't stay on the mountain. He won't sit idle in his glory. He comes for you so that you know you are forgiven. You are beloved. You are his. And he will not have heaven without amen we pray we give you thanks heavenly father that you have sent jesus to be our savior and we ask you father that even as he comes to us our faith will cling to him help us to trust these promises always and to cling to you into life everlasting in jesus name we pray amen